So let's look at verse 22. And uh, let's say it all out, out loud together. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. And uh, Lord, as we apply this to our lives, I pray that you help us to have uh, understanding and clarity from the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, bring conviction where it's needed. Help us to grow today. Help us not to uh, to quit. Help us not to um, fear. And uh, yet, Lord, I pray for greater faith yet even uh, today. I pray that you bless us in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So we uh, <clears throat> look at this uh, verse here in verse 22. We see that phrase, the last three words, making a difference. And uh, we uh, think so much about our inabilities, what we cannot do, that uh, many times we don't realize that God can make it, use us to make a difference. We can be a difference maker. And uh, see if I can turn my microphone on here. All right. We begin to think that we can't make a difference. Sometimes in our own situation. Our own personal lives. We think, there's nothing I can do to, uh, to correct this bad situation, to improve this bad situation. There's nothing I can do to make a difference in my own life, let alone somebody else's life. But, you know, that's a, that's a lie of the devil. We can be used of God to do something great. A church can uh, be used of God to make a difference in the community. A group of people can make a difference in the church. And individuals can make differences in groups of people within the church. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen? We can make a difference. And uh, we say we, but really it's not we. It's He can make a difference through our life. Go with me to Colossians chapter number 1. And we'll look at verses 27 through 29. And uh, so uh, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, His desire to work through us and to exemplify His love and, uh, and compassion through us. And, uh, but we have to yield to Him. We have to allow Him to do that. You wonder, why in the world can't I see God do something great in my life? Because you don't have faith. You have to trust Him. You have to have faith in God that, uh, and, and yield to Him. It, it, it's your decision. You choose uh, what God does in your life, ultimately. You say either yes or no to the Holy Spirit. Either you yield to yourself, your flesh, or you yield to the Holy Spirit. And uh, it is up to you to see what God can do through your life. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And he says here, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Now get a hold of this. God wants to do a mighty work in your life. He has to work in your life first. 
but he can do things once you yield to him and he transforms you and he changes you as we looked at this last week that a, a healthy church is a church with changed lives it's not people just coming in in faithless uh, uh just coming to church and and just sitting there and enduring and just doing your duty as a christian no a church uh, that is healthy has people with changed lives but god wants to change you and once he changes you he can use you to help be a difference maker in other people's lives uh, i have a list here of 101 inventions that changed the world and some of these are just in the last hundred years uh, the first thing on here is the aerosol spray can and uh, that has changed the world and uh, uh the first patent for the aerosol spray can was granted in 1927 to a Norwegian engineer, and despite the potential usefulness, it was largely undeveloped for no apparent reason. Uh, but the aerosol spray can was first put into good use in 1941, and, um, and uh, so to deploy small amounts of pesticides by the American troops stationed in insect-infested areas. And you think about all the uses for the aerosol spray can. Some of you ha uh, put hairspray on your hair this morning. Amen. And some of you put uh, you, maybe last summer you used mosquito spray and uh, uh, you get rid of them, uh, the bugs. And, and maybe you have uh, ants at your house. I hope not. But we've had that problem before. And uh, the uh, all of the other uses for aerosol uh, that there are out there. Uh, the uh, uh, the blender was invented in 1922. The picnic cooler uh, 19. Uh, 53, I guess. Uh, the Teflon pan, uh, 1938. Uh, DuPont Research Laboratories. Uh, the drip coffee maker, 1954. Sunglasses, they've been around for a long time, but uh, they were uh, mass produced in 1929. Uh, the, uh, let's see, quite a few things on here. The printer, and if you know the printing press, probably in the last uh Millennium was the uh, most influential invention, as they say. But, uh, but the printer, the, you guys probably have a printer at your house. You definitely have one at work, I'm sure. Uh, the Let's see. Smoke detectors, uh, hair dryers, tape recorders, CB radio, uh, ballpoint pen, cassette tape. This list is probably pretty old. Uh, but um, the circular saw. And uh, some of these things we just take for granted. The, uh, the Sony Walkman. And uh, you may, may have had one of those at one time. A Sony Walkman. You remember having that cassette? Uh, you put in the Walkman and then they got the Discman. How many of you remember the Discman? And now they have MP3 players. I mean, we got to get up to the 21st century now. They got iPods and, and your phone has uh, Bluetooth probably. And they have wireless headphones now. Think about all these inventions that have made our lives easier. And uh, the floppy disk is on this list. Polaroid camera, uh, the pocket calculator, and uh, you know some of these things. Again, we take them for granted, but it's only been in the last hundred years, maybe even thirty years, that some of these things have been around. Cordless drill, uh, microphone, digital camera, radio, television. Uh, we could go on and on and on. The cell phone, the sewing machine, the uh, TV remote control, and amen, and the answering machine. Uh, the modem, the transistor radio, all kinds of things. I'll, I'll stop there. 
uh, you would look at these people that invented these things and even all the awesome advances in the medical community, uh, mapping the human genome and uh, all of the uh, things that have uh, happened even in the last year, the advances, I'm sure because of all the money that was spent to research this uh, pandemic, there's tons of inventions that came out of this last year and uh, all kinds of things that people looked at that they never looked at before. And you might be saying, well, all of these people, these inventors, they are real difference makers. And you'd be right. They are difference makers. Uh, but <clears throat> I wouldn't want to minimize anything that anyone has ever done to contribute to people having a better life. And this is not a criticism of those people. But we need to do more than make this world a better place from which to go to hell. We, as Christians, may never make uh, headlines creating some great invention, but we can be the factor in somebody's life that makes all the difference for eternity. And that is what God has called us to do. He says we're supposed to be difference makers. Eternity is certain. We're going to live with Christ or without Christ forever. And uh, there's some people that uh, are too busy to care about other people. And that's a sin. I'm sorry, but that is a sin. When we only focus on ourselves, when God has done so much for us, and uh, yet we, we even not only focus on ourselves, but we refuse to forgive others. We refuse to love others. You know, there's 59 one another commands in the Bible. And 29 of those 59 commands involve, in some form or another, loving one another. And we're too focused on ourselves. And boy, God has given to us so much. He's been so good to us. And yet, we don't have time to make a difference in somebody else's life. The Apostle Paul said that we once were all dead in our sins, Ephesians 2, 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you can't save yourself. Of course, we have to have the greatest difference maker make a difference in us first. Praise God. And uh, we were dead in our sins, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 2. If you want to go there with me or you can look on the screen. It's there for you. But Ephesians 2, verse 2, the Bible says, Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle, our living in times past, the way we were living. We were living in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. It's what they say. You don't, uh, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. Your nature is one of sin. And uh, the Bible says in verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. See, His love made a difference in your life. And uh, the Bible says, Even when we were dead in our sins, He hath quickened us together with Christ by grace Ye are saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And uh, anyone, just about anyone you meet on the road of life is going the wrong direction. They're heading the wrong way. A lot of people, many times it's, it's a, a real blessing when you bump into another believer and you know it when you r- run into another Christian. Most of the time you can tell uh, other believers. And uh, people are heading, unfortunately, to their final judgment. They're going the wrong way. And it's God's desire that we would be used of Him to make a difference in somebody's life. Not everybody's going to receive salvation. Don't beat yourself up over that. Some people uh, get so uh, so. Uh, anxious and, and, and concerned because the people that they are witnessing to are not getting saved. But you don't know what a difference you might make in their life planting the seed today. There might be a time down the road if somebody else waters or you continue to water that seed that they will choose to receive Jesus Christ. And uh, what the devil wants us to do is get so focused on uh, somebody not getting saved that we quit witnessing at the very last second. Sometimes it's at 11, 59, and 59 seconds that somebody does get saved. Now, my friend, do not wait to the last second. Do not wait to the last second. But it was because maybe they waited all the way to that last second, but they received Jesus Christ in the last days of their life. But it was because of a seed that was planted maybe years ago by a faithful Christian, somebody trying to make a difference, doing all that you can. You cannot force somebody to be saved. Even God uh, will not violate somebody's free will. He will convict them. Praise God. We can pray for conviction. We can ask God to work in somebody's heart. But God will not force somebody to receive salvation. Just like you cannot force your coworker to get saved. But you can make all the difference in their life. And do it all, you can do all that you can to make that difference. By loving them. And by living before them. And, and by witnessing and telling them the truth. And, and, and by being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Listening to God as He convicts you and says, Hey, uh, you need to go talk to them. You need to go, uh, you need to go just ask them uh, uh, you know, about their salvation. Ask them about eternal things. Talk to them. Yield to the Holy Spirit. I know it's a, a fearful thing sometimes to witness. But we need to be faithful if we're going to make a difference. If we're going to be a difference maker, number one, we need to have a sense of urgency. Psalm 90, verse 10, the Bible says, These days of our years are three score years and ten. If by reason of strength they be four score years, so he says the days of our years are seventy years. He says, if you are strong, maybe, you might live to be 80. He said, yet is there strength in labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Uh, we need to have a sense of urgency about spiritual things. Uh, we, that does not mean that we're running around and just busy all the time. And uh, just being, being busy doesn't mean that we're spiritual, Okay. And sometimes we're busy doing things for God, but we're doing them for the wrong reason. There needs to be an understanding in our minds that we are here for just a short amount of time. The Bible says that uh, for soon, it is soon cut off. Our years are cut off and we fly away. We need to think about how we invest our time. Psalm 90 verse 12, two verses later, uh, Moses writes, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. 
If we're going to make a difference, we need to have a sense of urgency. Unfortunately, we think we have too much time. We have, uh, we have more time than what we may have. Number two, not only should we be urgent or have a sense of urgency, if we're going to make a difference in somebody's life, we need to have clarity. 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, hope to the end, by the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, gird up the loins. Uh, that means that we need to pick up all the loose ends. We, we, we focus on too many things. We're too busy, think, and, and we act on too many things. Something comes into our mind, and then we, have, we get distracted, and we go and do that. I, I know that you might be thinking, that's how men are. Men are easily distracted by things, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it doesn't matter who you are or what your personality is. You need to discipline your mind. You need to get your uh, thoughts um, under control. And uh, we need to focus on what's most important. There's a lot of things you and I can do. There's a lot of things that you might be pressured to do by other people. But that doesn't mean you have to do them. You maybe need to uh, discipline yourself. Part of doing that, disciplining your mind and disciplining your life, is writing down, prioritizing what is most important. Because you and I don't have a lot of time. We, part of this sense of urgency hopefully develops into this uh, getting our mind under control and organizing ourselves and, and realizing we need to have clarity as to what is most important in our life. Uh, we need to have clarity. It requires discipline. We're all overextending ourselves. We've got all of these uh, wonderful inventions and creations and uh, uh, phones and uh, time-saving devices, supposedly time-saving devices. You know, those time-saving devices have made us, in many ways, less productive than we ever were before. And uh, we're, we, we, instead of saving time, many times we try to just do more. We try to do more. And uh, we accomplish less than we would have without these time-saving devices. There's very little clarity. How many of you really know this thing, this mission, this calling is of God? What I am doing and what I'm focused on is really of the Lord. How many of us really know what it is God has called us to do? And then how many of us are really doing what God has called us to do? Uh, We're so... uh, distracted and um, you might have a family and uh, you're doing many things maybe in your life you're doing all kinds of things and and me as a pastor have all kinds of things that I'm involved in but God has given me my family as my number one priority and if I lose my family it doesn't matter how many things I did and how many things I accomplished in my life I know a lot of so-called successful men who are at the end of their life right now and are regretting years that they wasted, time that they should have spent with family, they were too busy building their image and trying to build a legacy and trying to be productive. And sometimes, it does, I understand you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're not even concerned about legacy or image. It's just let's try to, uh, let's try to keep our head above the water. But Unfortunately, many times we are still, even though we're just focused on just trying to make it to the next day, 
We're still distracted by so many things in this country. We've got all kinds of entertainment choices and all kinds of things that we still get distracted by. And we can still lose our families, even though we're, we're trying as much as we can to keep everything together and trying to bring them, uh, our children to church and have them in Sunday school. But yet, in our uh, spare time, we're doing all kinds of things that are not a priority I'm not against entertainment at all. I'm not against spending time on vacation. Hey, if you're going to go on vacation, go on vacation. Get away. But unfortunately, what do we many times do on vacation? We come back from vacation sometimes more tired than when we left for vacation because we were so busy doing things that weren't important. I understand you're trying to squeeze everything out of life that you can. And great. You know, live life to the fullest. But we, we, when we are not prioritizing Jesus Christ, that's when we get to the end of our life as a Christian. We say, boy, I did waste time, and I did not do everything that I should have done. And uh, we need to put God in his rightful place, put the Lord Jesus Christ first. And if you do that, everything else will fall into line. See, we're, what we end up doing is we give God what's left over. We live for self, and then... Because we know it's the right thing to do, we should give to the Lord, and we should give Him our time, our talents, and our treasure, but we give Him what's left over. Whereas He should get what's, what's best in our life. The best of our years, the best of our, our time, the best of our energy, the best of our mental clarity. Uh, but we need to get some uh, focus in our life. Some of you have been given responsibilities, maybe at work or at your church here, and and. Uh, You've been given something very specific to do. And what we do many times, if it's schoolwork, I think of kids in their schoolwork, sometimes it's just one basic assignment. Do this assignment. And what do your kids many times do? They do everything else except for just that one thing that God basically has called them to do in that time of their life. Their teacher gave them the assignment, but this is their calling. I remember my, my dad asked my grandma, he was filling out some paperwork when he was in school, and it said, what is your occupation? And he said, what is my occupation, Mom? And my grandma told him, your occupation is that you are a student. And uh, that is what God has called you to do if you're not working a job. If you're a kid, you're a student. That's where God placed you. You're a child. Your responsibility is to uh, your parents. You're supposed to honor and obey your parents and then uh, do what you're uh, called to do of the Lord. That is your calling in life. You might be saying, I want to have some great calling. I want to have something big to do for God. Hey, if you're not faithful in the little things, how can he trust you in something bigger? So start with what you got. You might be saying, well, I'm just, uh, I, I just work a, a job. I don't even have a career. I just have a job. And, and uh, it's not even serving God. I have to work 40 hours a week in the world. And boy, I hate it. I wish I could work for God. Do what you do as unto the Lord. And God will bless that. That's where God puts you. Don't question God's calling in your life. And uh, every day that you live, God has given you an assignment. And if you go to work, you work 8 hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, you go to that workplace and uh, you come with clarity in your mind saying, hey, I'm going to work for man today. I'm going to work a secular job today. But I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. And I'm going to submit to Him and I'm going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And God will orchestrate your day and, and you can be effective for him in that workplace and you may very well have great opportunities in that day to witness for the lord 
opportunities that you would have never had if you had just worked for God full-time at the church or, uh, you know, as an evangelist or as a missionary or a Christian school teacher. God has placed you. Don't question his calling. He's placed you where he placed you because he's has specific things for you to do. Get some clarity about this. The devil wants you to get so, um, <clears throat> so focused on, well, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be and I'm not, uh, this isn't perfect and this isn't what I wanted. Get some clarity about what God has called you to do, and uh, you can be a difference maker in your workplace. People sometimes <clears throat> take pleasure in saying that they're a jack of all trades. But we, that's fine. I understand there are some people, good men and women. Uh, I think of Brother Patrick. He was a jack, he really was a jack of all trades. But when it comes to the Christian life, may our laser focus beyond pleasing the Lord. And, uh, you know, obviously God can use all of our abilities for his work, but uh, it's not about, as they say, jack of all trades, master of none, right? I believe there were some things Brother Patrick was very good at. He was a master of, of several things, but uh, that, that phrase, master of none. Sometimes there's Christians that are, uh, you know, they're busy doing all kinds of things. They're involved in all kinds of things. But there's not one thing that they are laser focused on. And that, and that one most important thing is pleasing the Lord. Sometimes people serve the Lord, but they're just really doing it for themselves. Our ministry and our missions should, number one, not to be uh, winning others, but our mission and our ministry is first to the Lord Jesus Christ and to have a relationship and fellowship with Him and a life that pleases Him. And it doesn't matter how many things you can do and how many things you've done for the Lord. If you've lost your relationship, and, and meaning not your salvation, but your relationship with the Lord, you're, you're out of fellowship with Him. What does it matter what you've done for God if you don't have fellowship with Him? And that's why people lose, why, why ministers lose their families at the end of their life or halfway through their ministry because their laser focus got off on other things, uh, their own agendas. And it wasn't, first of all, focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him first and everything else will fall into place. Here's some four things. We'll go back to uh, Jude chapter uh, 1. <laughs> we'll look at verse number 20. Here's four things that produce uh, this ability in our lives. This heart for people, uh, laser focused on the Lord, but then uh, his heart is for others, so we can then uh, serve him by serving others. Um, if these things aren't in our life, forget about being a difference maker. Verse number 20, the Bible says, But beloved, building yourselves or building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Number one. We need to be built up in the faith. Built up in the faith. Now, Jude is a book about contending for the faith. The faith is uh, the, uh, the body of doctrine, uh, or really the, 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 the cause of Christ. I would put it that way. The cause of Christ is the gospel. And uh, that is the focus. Contending for the cause of Christ. Contending for the faith. Uh, the, the body of doctrine that we believe, that the, the, the scriptures, everything that's contained in the scriptures, the gospel. And so we should contend for it, he says there in Jude earlier on. But he then gets to verse 20, he says, building up yourselves on that foundation, on your most holy faith. Number one, we need to uh, get the right doctrine and then 
contend and stand for that right doctrine. Number two, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. He says there, uh, prayer is so important. That's usually the last thing we do. Um, is uh, I've heard somebody say, is prayer your spare tire or is prayer your steering wheel? And uh, many times our attitude towards prayer uh, really indicates where we are spiritually. Um, when we are working with people and we're trying to make a difference in their lives, they're going to need prayer. You need prayer. Many times we're thinking about ourselves. Yes, I need help. I need God's help. I need the church's help. But we're all the church. We're part of this body. We're part of this, uh, this family here. And the family that we need is also the family that others need in this church. And you're part of that family, and you are being used and can be used of God to make a difference. And so prayer is so important. When you tell somebody, I'll pray for you, brother, why don't you just stop right there, whether with them or get somewhere where you can go pray. Do it right then. Many times distraction comes in because we're not laser-focused, and we forget even what we were going to pray for. There's been times where I've said, yes, I'll pray for you. And I'll remember to pray for him, and it was later, but I sometimes forgot what it was that they asked prayer for. Stop and, and, and pray. You know, um, really praying with people. People, uh, if they know you're praying for them, not only does God hear your prayer, and God does a work, it's always according to His will, but people knowing that they're prayed for and being prayed over, many times are so much more encouraged. They did a study years ago about uh, people in the hospital that uh, there were some that were prayed for and they didn't know they were being prayed for. There were some that were being prayed for and they knew they were being prayed for. Guess which ones did better? The ones that knew they were being prayed for. And then there were some that weren't being prayed for at all, at least in the study. They couldn't uh, say for sure if there were maybe other people outside the study that were praying for them, but there were some that weren't being prayed for at all. They did far worse than either group. But the best group were the ones that were being prayed for and knew that somebody was praying for them. It does something for us, I believe, emotionally and physically and spiritually when we know somebody cares. So when somebody brings a need to you in the church uh, or uh, maybe in this local assembly or outside this church, maybe there's other Christians in your workplace and they come to you with a need and, and they say, here's my problem. Stop and say, let's pray together that God would work in your life. Let's pray that God would meet this need. And not only will they be uh, encouraged and, and, and God will be glorified when that need is met, but you'll be encouraged. And uh, there's something about prayer uh, that is a help to all of us in many ways as Christians. God does a work, and, uh, but he wants us to act in faith and pray. Number Three today, keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 21, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. What does that mean, keep yourselves in the love of God? That means be long-suffering. When you're seeking to be a difference maker and you're working in the church uh, and you're listening, hey, there's a need here. There's uh, somebody I need to pray for. And that's great. We can pray for those needs, but sometimes we have to get our hands a little bit dirty and help people. And, uh, and that's going to require some long-suffering because people are, are difficult sometimes. Uh, you know the, the old adage, hurting people hurt people. 
And sometimes we get hurt. We're kind of like collateral damage. We get uh, involved. We might be, it might begin with, hey, let's pray for this need. And then the Holy Spirit prompts us, you can do more than pray. There's something that, God, I, that, that God's given you. There's something that you can do about this. Whether it's you have uh, a way to meet that need. There's sometimes where we do get involved and we get hurt. We're part of <laughs> the, uh, the fallout, so to speak. But you just got to keep loving people. Keep loving people. He says there, keep yourselves in the love of God. And uh, you can't just give people directions sometimes. Sometimes you have to become an instructor. You have to get involved. You have to get uh, your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves, and get, uh, get down on the level where people live. And, and uh, sometimes we get frustrated with them. Sometimes we get really, uh, really uh, upset. But that's why we have to keep ourselves in the love of God. Does God get upset with, with us? Well, we know he got upset with Israel in the, the, the times that they were traveling from Egypt to the promised land. God got a little frustrated at times. Sometimes God does get frustrated, I'm sure. But you know, God always loves us. I'm so thankful for, the, for that. God's love is uh, stronger than anything. He'd rather show mercy and love than judgment and wrath. And uh, so we should be the same way. Before we start judging people, may we ask God for love. May we ask God for patience. Uh, we heard this week, if you went to Falls on Wednesday night, about uh, Peter coming to Jesus and saying, uh, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Uh, seven times? And Jesus said, where'd you get that from? I didn't ever tell you seven. Seventy times seven. 490 times. You know, uh, the preacher on, on Wednesday night said seven is what many times we can do. That's about our limit. You know, maybe it's not seven, maybe it's six, maybe it's ten. That, that, that was just Peter's number, right? That's what man can do. Man can uh, forgive to a point. But with God, we can do the impossible. And that's what we need to do. We have to, uh, in the church, we need, this is a spiritual work, and we need spirituality and spiritual eyes and a spiritual heart of love for people uh, that we would keep ourselves in the love of God. Uh, when we are tempted to get frustrated and, and to lose our cool and to get upset with people, may we just stop and ask God for help and say, Lord, I need to stay in love uh, with, you, with you and your people, and I need to stay in your love. Number four, uh, looking, as you see there, verse 21, we're through here this morning, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The mercy of God here is specifically the return of Christ, the rapture. The church is looking for the rapture. That's the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we need to stay laser-focused on eternity and all that pertains to it. The gospel, the cause of Christ, what is our purpose here? Why, why did God leave us here as Christians? This sums up, looking for the mercy of, of God, this sums up everything that we're here for. Why are we here? We should be focused on eternity. God, uh, <clears throat> uh, God says certain things are important. And those certain things are what we should focus on. One of those things is eternity. The overarching purpose is eternity. 
Everything begins with Christ. He's the Alpha, and everything ends with Him. Uh, you know, as the Bible says that we're supposed to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, everything is summed up in this phrase. Uh, that we're supposed to look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it is He that we're looking for, and it is He that we are looking to. And ultimately, He is the difference maker in, in every life, beginning with ours. Anything that we ever could imagine that we could do in somebody else's life has to start in our life. And, uh, and then once God does a work in us, then He can work through us to help others. Uh, a French historian said that Napoleon... You know, the great uh, um, French uh, leader that was conquering the world and, and moving across Europe. Uh, the French historian said that Napoleon had to lose at Waterloo because he was becoming too much of a god in the eyes of the people. And uh, he was becoming too powerful. And uh, he had to have a fall. He had to be stopped. And Napoleon, uh, although he had changed history and done all kinds of things, he was a real difference maker uh, through his campaigns, marching through invincible. But he met his Waterloo, and the English stopped him. And uh, you and I need our failures in life. We need our decreases. As John the Baptist said about Jesus Christ, he must increase and I must decrease. Hey, it's not going to be us somehow uh, having some kind of uh, winsome personality and some kind of talent that's going to make a difference in some people's, uh, somebody's life. If you want to be a difference maker, God will use you. But first you submit to his plan and uh, you get things right with him. If there's something in your life that's not right, confess it to him. And some of us, it's not that you have some great sin, but it is uh, a, a unbelief. You don't think God can do something through you. Confess that to him. And uh, he says, I want to use you. And, uh, but we do you need those failures. We need to, uh, for some people, is that they think too highly of themselves and they need to be brought down to humility. And uh, God uses things in our life uh, to uh, decrease us so that God could be greater and Christ could be seen as greater. And, uh, and, and so uh, if we submit to Him, He'll do a work in our life. The degree of difference that we can make in the lives of others is directly related to the degree of difference that we have allowed Christ to make in our life. And uh, God has a way of humbling us. God has a way of, of doing that. Why? Why does God humble us? Why does God bring us down? Because He can't use us when we're filled with self. Why does God encourage us when we're low? And why does He, he, he seek to, uh, to, to push us on and seek to uh, to give us grace, as the Bible says. He'll give us grace if we, if we ask for it. Why does He do that? Because we have to be empowered by Him. Not only does He have to bring us down, and He has to uh, deal with self in the flesh, but then we need empowerment. He, he, he basically, He raises the building. He destroys everything off the foundation that is not eternal and not, uh, not uh, profitable. He gets rid of everything uh, purges everything out of our life that is a problem, and that everything in our life that's a problem is self. And then he puts in place everything that will, uh, that will be profitable for eternity, and that is Jesus Christ. And so he builds into us. If we allow him, we have to submit to him. We have to yield to him. We have to deny our flesh and submit to the Spirit. But if we do that, God will do something great in us and then through us. 
But are you willing to be a difference maker? Are you willing? Are you willing? It's not coming up with some kind of ability or some plan. It's about just submitting to the Holy Spirit. He'll do a great work through you if you let him. Let's pray. Let's stand to our feet as we close here this morning. Lord, I do pray that you'd uh, work in this uh, time of invitation. Help us, Lord, as we prepare for the Lord's table. We think about how that uh, you uh, gave us your pattern of victory, of success. Everything that uh, you have shown us requires death first and then victory. Many times that's opposite of how we think as humans. Think of building up. God, you told us that, that uh, in order for there to be a harvest, that seed has to die. In order for, uh, for there to be uh, the resurrection Sunday, Jesus died. He had to die on the cross. He had to be put into the grave. But thank God for victory. But Lord, in order for you to do something in our life, we see that we have to die. Our flesh has to die. And we have to uh, reckon ourselves uh, dead to our sins and, and not live for that life anymore. And then through the power and grace of your Holy Spirit, we can have victory. And thank you for that. Help us to, to live in that, in that mindset uh, of victory. And it's not just about positivity. It's about, about reality, true reality, is that we are victors. We're more than conquerors in Christ. Help us, Lord, in that way. Help us to defeat the flesh and then see great things done uh, in our life and through our life. And it's only by your Son, Jesus Christ, that we see this done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.